The Master Within, Roland Brisson, FRC, Grand Master of the Spanish Grand Lodge for the Americas. In this podcast, which is a reading of his presentation at the Amwork World Convention in San Jose, Grand Master Roland Brisson leads us on a journey to the master within, exploring both the individual and society. God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life, and he became a living being, which consists of being aware of his own perfection, to spiritualize matter, and to manifest on earth the virtues of the soul. Another great miracle occurs at the moment when the fetus dies so that the infant is born. It is at this time that the master, who is the god of his heart and of his understanding, enters the temple, which is this small body who is the manifestation of the most divine cosmic law. It is in this instant that the master resides in the sanctum of the heart and finds the power in the mind. But look what happens. From the moment when the tiny brain reasons and understands, from the moment when the eyes, which are the windows and sufficiently developed to bring light into the temple, from the moment when the ears take their message to the brain, from the moment that the tongue starts pronouncing words inspired by universal love, yes, from that moment, the human being, in his vanity and ignorance, decides that the temple of the master will transform into the temple of materialism of greed, of compulsive consumerism, of superstition, of the shame that leads to self-hatred, or in one word, fear, which is the root of the lack of love. Myths teach us how we were, how we are, and how we will become if we don't voluntarily change course through our efforts to grow, because when we become aware, a transformation surges within. We become responsible a word that means to ably respond to our needs and to the needs of others. In the myth of creation written by Moses in the book of Genesis, we see that Adam, instead of supporting and defending his companion Eve, he coldly blames her, the adult which has neglected the calls of the master within, in his eagerness to be accepted and loved, to search for fame, recognition, or power, and lives in constant fear finds a certain relief in blaming others which provides a false sense of security. He then feels entitled to defend himself and become violent. On a daily basis, we can witness the expression of violence that humans have inherited from their ancestors, the animals, and then incentivized by the society in which we live. We ought to be warned that this violence is sometimes unconscious because we can see a person participating actively in a protest against a particular war, and at the same time, be violent with her children, her companion, her employees or subordinates, and yet kneel in front of one's superior. This is the reason why the only path to reintegration is to become aware, to become conscious of the universal love whose expression is the master within. Because without awareness, we become part of a history repeating itself. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear, exactly how it is expressed to us in the Rosicrucian chant, which says, Love which knoweth of no fear. All acts of lack of love stem from fear. Fear of not being accepted by others as we are. 
fear of abandonment, the most terrifying, which propels us to lies and dishonesty, to possess others, etc. Fear darkens and prevents the mind, produces confusion and neurotic states. Therefore, we see that the present-day human, except for enjoying a better quality of life, isn't very different from Adam, because he has lost the knowledge of being a living soul. He has forgotten that the master lives in his heart, which is why he feels exiled. He looks incessantly and ingeniously for the path that will take him back home where he expects to be received as the prodigal son. The same rejection of his master within provides the impulse for him to search for an external path, exploring all kinds of shortcuts which deflect him from his goals. Since there are no shortcuts to arrive at the temple of the master and to experience the alchemical wedding there, there is only one way, which is called conscience, to start on the path. Just as with Christian Roisenkreutz, it is necessary to drive away the fear of the threshold and to listen to the voice of conscience. The first conditioning a newborn receives at birth is a first and last name, and that is one of the most powerful conditionings. That sound, composed of several vowels and consonants with which she identifies, carries with it a great emotional charge because it is intimately related to the history of the family in which she was born or into which she was adopted. It also has to do with the religion that was imposed on her, with the nationality and with the culture that will mold her. If it is true that the family as an institution is the first human group to which she belongs, being that this is the fundamental and basic cell that provides the human being's first contact with society, we have to admit that nowadays a normal family in this diseased society is a dysfunctional family, characterized by the perceptible or imperceptible absence of the parents and where visible or hidden violence is prevalent. When there is violence in the family unit, the child, in order to survive, will focus only in the immediate surroundings as she searches for satisfaction outside, becoming exiled from herself, from her emotions and feelings, and therefore forgetting that she is a living soul, that a master did arrive on earth at the instant of her birth, and that to avoid suffering, she imprisons the master within its own palace. The child depends on his parents, and dependency is always accompanied by the shadow of fear. That same fear is what makes him obey, to mold himself, to accept, without reflecting on the content of the edicts and sanctions the elders impose on him. He feels he must show respect to his parents even if he has no real feeling of respect towards them. Then, traditional education, which rather than instilling a total and unconditional love for oneself, a complete self-acceptance, respect for others, and to revere the human body and to take care of it, since it is through this medium that the master can express itself on the material plane, uses the same methods to train animals. This consists of promises and threats, punishments and rewards, bribes and seductions, humiliations, blaming, and the repression of feelings and needs. The idea also exists that for a child to behave appropriately and for him to study, we have to make him feel bad. This is why we sometimes see children treated worse than a criminal on death row. 
because the criminal is not forced to love the one who will kill him, while the child is expected to love those who torture him presumably for his own good. If he was treated like this as a child, it is obvious he will repeat it automatically as an adult, and instead of manifesting the values and virtues of the master, he will be a criminal, a dictator, a tyrant capable of unleashing wars in which millions of fellow human beings may perish, and will never understand that the war is within himself. Because he who has waged the internal battle in silence and in communion with the master within, which means accepting his inner master's guidance instead of his own, will never participate in war. Therefore, the external war will cease, since the external war is simply a pretext for avoiding the internal one. External war is caused by the fear of turning the mirror on oneself, because deep down, very deeply, we each know what is to be revealed. Generally, silence is hated because in silence there is no one to blame in order to obtain validation, to excuse oneself to justify oneself. There is no one unto whom we can project what one rejects within. It is precisely in silence where we can dialogue with the master within, which is the most fearsome, since we can fool an external teacher but the master within will always say what we don't want to hear and will show us what we don't want to see. No one that loves will be willing to kill a fellow human being unless in self-defense because she knows based on experience that life is a phenomenon and not an event. Therefore, in the words of Balaam Ibarra, life cannot be withdrawn from someone by killing him or her. What actually happens in this case is that you remove one individual from life. Besides, instead of turning out someone's light in order that our own can shine brighter, the one that truly loves will make an effort to add her light to the light of others. Because she has an awareness of the interdependence of things, since the cosmic is one in essence, although it manifests through multiple beings. Previously, I said that we live in a society that is ill, and it is. A healthy society develops the capacity of humans to love themselves and others, to work creatively so that, like Jean-Jacques Rousseau wrote, no one is so rich that he can buy others, and no one is so poor that they have no other option but to sell themselves. A healthy society promotes the development of reason and of objectivity to have an awareness of the self based on the capacity within, which encourages him to seek spirituality. An ill society is the one that creates hostility and suspicion, which fosters competition. Competition is merely the comparison that creates scorn and envy, which converts the human being into a useful instrument for exploitation, which deprives him of a feeling of self-worth independent of others, that produces exclusion, diseases, and conscious or unconscious desperation. We need only to observe that people lie by hiding their true motives or lie when trying to justify themselves. Just observe the ultimate aim of their lifetime, the object of their desires, of their passions and aspirations. Just observe what they think, what they talk about, who they serve and adore. They become a society which promotes corruption and injustice. A society in which honesty is brutally rejected, 
a society that talks about liberty, but when they see someone that is free, they become frightened to the point that they poison them, just as they did Socrates, or crucify them, just as they did Jesus. It is evident that the seemingly best adapted persons are the ones who suffer most. Even though their lives appear successful, they live seeking the peace profound mentioned by the Rosicrucians, but they will never find it there. This is why they do everything possible to fill their existential void through the consumption of fashion, classes, conferences, and the struggle to acquire everything sold by deceitful advertisers. People think they live their lives, when in reality they imitate others, and the mind that copies is a mechanical mind. In its functioning, he is like a machine, which explains his fascination with other machines, computers and operating systems that humans themselves invented and now depend on. This also explains his rejection of everything that is sentient which, after all, are also things. This provokes chaos in the world, as well as dehumanization, because humans are the ones that need love, yet it is the machines that are being loved. People are being used, which humiliates the person. They cannot simply be a means to an end, since it is an end in itself. Technology has brought more comfort, and it has given us a medical field that has made major strides. However, also we must say that technology has not contributed to our happiness or to becoming better human beings. This is because to be happy and to become better human beings, we need another dimension, which is not the field of technology or of mechanics, but rather the dimension of the master within. To be well adapted to a society that is ill is to continue repeating the same phrases, go to the same public places, talk about the same subjects, and pursue the same objectives. In summary, to do what we are told to do, and this is to be hypnotized. This is to allow external impressions to prevail over internal impressions, which come from the inner voice, which Rosicrucians pay particular attention to. Now, the social situation in which a person lives is part of their lives. The individual forms part of society and cannot function outside of this social fabric. Delusions about this social reality affect your mental clarity which will prevent you from freeing yourself of delusions about yourself. Nevertheless, most human beings do not realize this and will automatically repeat the patterns inherited from their family and society. The person dies believing she lived her own life, when in reality she has lived the life of her ancestors and of the whole of humanity. The cosmic is so creative that it does not make clones. This is the reason why every human being is unique at birth, but the vast majority will die as a copy of others, since they preferred staying in their comfort zone. This is the perfect justification for not being, for not doing, for not growing, for not taking chances, and for enduring life instead of living it. Therefore, we must learn to live for dying is something anyone can do. Even though we know the mind is dual in nature, since it is able to create and destroy, dignify or degrade, become joyful or depressed, be optimistic until stressed or lose hope until we are anguished, we attribute a truthfulness to everything we think, 
which is why we cling to our story, even if it is a miserable one and one that makes us unhappy. Our story does give us a sense of identity. We believe in our personal history, therefore, we defend our neurosis, our sadness, our loneliness, our addictions, our problems, and unconsciously we treasure them. And unconsciously, we simply react automatically to patterns learned in our infancy. And without meaning it, we hurt those we love. Montaigne was right when he wrote that hell is empty because all of the devils are here. The Antichrist is here, not amongst us, but within us, which is a real calamity because history has demonstrated that calamities do not destroy hope, but rather promote it. If you are here today in this world convention, it is because you have listened to the call of the Master within. It is because you are alive, and to be alive is to search. And the law states that if you search, you will find. Ask, and you shall receive. Knock at the door, and the door will open. You have searched, and you have arrived at the portals of our order, the order you humbly requested admission to, and which accepted you according to the law of Amra. You realize that within each of us is the light and the darkness. Each one of us is Adam and Eve. At the same time, each one of us carries the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in our consciousness. Each one of us is both the prevaricated one and the agent of omneity. The difference resides specifically on choices made through the use of our free will and one's level of evolution achieved through successive incarnations. In the words of Gurdjieff, evolution is of the consciousness, and therefore it cannot occur unconsciously and mechanically. For this, we need to use our will, because a politician can be conscious of the fact that he is corrupt, yet not have the will to change. Change is very difficult, and if someone disagrees with this, they surely lie, which is why will and patience are needed. In one of his masterful books, Eric Fromm wrote that human being should give birth to himself and therefore have the willpower to kill the God he has made of his own personality, so that the new man is born, the one that can tell his master within, Father, thy will be done, not mine. But change is a personal endeavor which happens in the depths of our daily meditation and in reverence to the master within. The true inner work occurs when the individual starts to observe himself, to release old beliefs, and elevate the spirit so that the qualities of the soul are revealed to us. It is an arduous task because we must destroy the castle we built in the air without knowing what to replace it with. It is about destroying one's self image without knowing what it will become. But if you decide to undertake the journey, you will find the inspiration of the egregore of our order and the guidance of the masters who promised that when darkness clouds our way, the Rose Cross will ever be present providing us with a strong arm to hold on to and a dependable guide to follow. To be reborn to the protection of the master within, we must commit ourselves to the mystical path and allow it to become our existential philosophy. Traveling on the path, we find a type of pseudo-mystic that speaks in theological terms recalling what renowned mystics of the past wrote and encouraging discussions and processing of this information. But this attitude is purely skin-deep, 
since the inner self remains intact without experiencing any change. This is because the rose cross stays outside of the personality and it does not manifest as an experience of the consciousness. To talk about the light does not necessarily mean illumination. Generally, these types of mystics never have a transformation since the master reveals herself only through inner experience. Illumination is a responsibility of each individual and it can occur at any moment and not necessarily in the distant future. Just like humans can only assimilate natural materials from their environment according to the nature of the materials, they can only transform themselves according to their own nature. Humans are dual beings, and while living, they cannot separate from their physical bodies. This creates the drive to want to live, and is the medium for the soul to acquire human experiences. Additionally, the human being is also a living soul, who is related to the universal soul, which is virtually perfect and absolute. The soul expresses itself best in living beings due to the fact that life supports the process of evolution, which advances when it is in contact with matter. Amongst all of the creatures that inhabit planet Earth, human beings are the ones that best manifest the attributes of the divine because they possess an individual soul. This allows him to express in his behavior the most beautiful virtues of human nature, which are kindness, humility, altruism, humanity, compassion, tolerance, which Amorc includes in its motto, and love, among others. If we live on earth, it is precisely to become conscious of the virtues of the soul and to express them through our thoughts, words, and actions. However, to fully manifest these virtues, it is necessary to know oneself, which is why philosophers of all ages, from the time of the mystery schools of Egypt and of the oracle at Delphi, made this exhortation, Know thyself. To know thyself consists of understanding the totality of being, which manifests itself in the three points of light, life, and love, which are symbolized in the Shekinah of our temples by three candles that are appropriately lit by the colognes, or in their absence, by the vestals. To know the true self, and therefore understand the outer being and the phenomenal world, it is necessary to be the disciple of the teacher that resides within, and to be aware of this relationship. Precisely what the Rosicrucian seeks through her mystical studies. Our beloved order provides us with the resources necessary to establish this relationship with the Master within. We receive Liber 777, which reveals the technique to enter the celestial sanctum, and then we receive exercises to improve our concentration, contemplation, and visualization. Then we receive vowel sounds which added to the visualizations, allow us to develop our psychic vision and our psychic hearing. This allows us to comprehend a reality that is different from the physical senses and to achieve a complete perception of the self and its relationship with the all, just as Ralph Maxwell Lewis defined mysticism. Practicing the exercises that we receive from our beloved order, the time will come when we will accept being a disciple of the Master within.
the unending chain of desires which produce pain and suffering will cease, since the nature of desire itself is a lack of satisfaction. Also, divinity will no longer be far away in heaven, and it will no longer be a fictitious image in which we must believe, and which we will meet in the future after death. Divinity will be here and now, within yourself, where you can feel it close to you, and where you can readily find peace and solace. Dear Frauders and Sorors, To finish this message, I invite you to participate in a simple exercise. For that, relax the best way that you can. As I said previously, the source of chaos and hardship is fear, and fear will be drawn away by love, just like the Rosicrucian chant says. Today, as an altruistic act to aid a suffering humanity, let us send love to alleviate their suffering. At this moment, perceive and feel the suffering of humanity and make it your own. Feel the pain of the widow, of the orphan, of the diseased, of the one that is mourning a loss. Live that pain and make it your own. Now concentrate that pain, that suffering in your heart, and transmute it into love, as I intone for you the appropriate vowel sound. Now, from your heart, which has transmuted the pain and the suffering of humanity, send that love to the cosmic heart, which will distribute the love to all of humanity and then remain in cosmic communion. Now, let us return to our objective consciousness, regenerated and reinvigorated. Return slowly. Movements come back. Take a deep breath and slowly open your eyes. Frauders and Sorors, I thank each of you for your kind attention.